Danielle DiMartino Booth is CEO and Chief Strategist for QI Research, a Fed insider, an author. She wrote Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. You've probably seen her on all the big shows talking a lot of insightful points. I'm very excited to have her on the show. I've been reading her on Seeking Alpha for many years and elsewhere beyond so, Danielle, welcome to Seeking Alpha. Welcome to Investing Experts. Great to have you on. I'm really happy to be here today. I, I um, this is this is something new and different. Here's two things that are fruitful, new and different. Um, in days where it feels like everything that has been the same is kind of coming to a reckoning point. So, good to get some insight on on what's happening out there. We just had the CPI report released, which is fortuitous timing. So I'd love it if you shared with our listeners how you're looking at the markets right now with the CPI report, with a lot of data coming out this week. How are you thinking about and looking at things right now? Um, you know, I think that this is a place where 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 Jay Powell wants to be. Uh, you know, maybe not for what I would consider to be obvious reasons. But this is a man on a mission, and his mission is to keep rates for as high as he possibly can, to really just shrink the size of the balance sheet to the greatest extent possible. And anytime you have, you know, data out that disappoint the markets, but that he knows are uh, are, are going to be fading, it still gives him ammunition. And that's what's important for us to keep in mind: is is what is his motivation? So how do you think that this kind of shakes out for investors looking at the market short term, near term and longer term? So I think that um, I think that in the short term, there's obviously a little bit of pain involved if the uh, and I, I say in the very short term, if, if, the, if the rate cuts that they were hoping for, let's say in May, if that gets pushed to June, you know, that that disappoints investors who want easier financial conditions. But the truth is, we've had easier financial conditions because the stock market's gone up so much since the December FOMC uh, that the, the stock market went up too much. And I think that that is why Powell is he he's gratified and fine to, to hide behind um, inflation data that real time data is telling us is not correct. And that's kind of the case right now. Medium term, long term, you know, it remains to be seen. We still have not felt the full brunt of the lag effects of what the Fed is doing. It is succeeding in taking down zombie companies companies one at a time, as opposed to having anything really systemic and messy break out, which is great. I was going to interrupt before because the point you mentioned about trusting these numbers and kind of how investors should be looking at it, or even just market observers, economic observers, looking at this data. Wall Street Breakfast, which is our kind of flagship newsletter and podcast, we had a survey out and a lot of the respondents don't trust the data coming out of CPI or similar reports. What are your thoughts there in terms of the data that we're looking at? How how trustworthy is it? Well, in the case of payrolls, it looks flat out manipulated. And that's not a word that I use lightly. I have a lot of respect for um, many of the statisticians, but there are simply too many aberrations to ignore at this point. As far as the CPI goes, it's it's had a reputation for a very long time 
of being super lagged. So regardless of what the trend is, we saw, we've seen hotel rates come down rapidly. We've had year over year hotel occupancy declining for six months in a row. Uh, and it, it has turned negative. So we know situations for hotels are not ideal. Discretionary income is drying up. And yet we see a big pop in the CPI for hotels. That just tells me that the CPI itself remains plagued uh, by being a poor construct where some of the reality of what's happening on the ground in terms of real prices simply takes a while to follow through um, uh, uh, to the data. We saw the same thing with the December uh CPI that showed increasing used car prices. It was just a lag. We saw a great big step down in the January data, which that's the the, the longest standing issue with the CPI is that it has a, a, a huge catch up factor. So you have to try and look ahead and use other metrics to get a feel for what, what prices truly are. Of course, it's easier for Jay Powell if he wants to, again, to have something to hide behind. So investors, you know, if, if you're an economist, you follow what the real data are telling you. If you're an investor, you follow what Jay Powell's going to tell you he's following, whether it's right, wrong, or in between. Because that's how because that's what dictates the market, you're saying. Because that's what dictates the market. Exactly. So as an economist, what data points are you looking at that are that you feel like give observers a better picture? Well, I, I follow this metric called Trueflation, TRU. Um, it's got a 97% correlation with headline CPI. So it tells you, uh, proverbially, Wayne Gretzky would say, you know, you, it's better to know where the puck is going. So it tells you where CPI is going. And it's, you know, it's, it's south of 1.5% right now, about a half of what the CPI is. And are there other metrics that you're looking at or other data points that you're looking at? Or is that the main one in terms of inflation in the macro picture? Well, I'm also following uh, things like what we're seeing in that, that will never be that will never be captured right now in this in the city of Nashville. You can, on average, get four months of rent for free if you're signing up uh, for a new lease in, in a new apartment. This has become a, a nationwide phenomenon that, again, will never be picked up in any rent CPI, even, even Trueflation won't, won't pick that up uh, because for financing purposes, companies are only going to report what their stated rents are. But effectively, it's getting a lot cheaper to, uh, to rent. And, that and it's come flowed through the New York Federal Reserve, for example, their monthly uh, survey of consumers in, in October, there were consumers across the nation were expecting rents to rise at 9%. We've never seen a decline of this magnitude in data back to 2013. It's now down to 6.3%. It's coming down precipitously because that's what people on the ground are seeing. And that's you have to find alternative modes. You have to track uh, layoff announcements during the earnings season. And this one's been quite a whopper. Uh, this is a this is a corporate America CEO Game of Thrones where they're it, it's it's some kind of a sick foot race to see who can who can slash headcount to the greatest extent. Uh, so you have to follow real time layoff data as well to get a feel for pricing power that companies are going to have or lack thereof. 
Yeah, yeah, the layoffs are definitely brutal, and and the renting and and ownership is also definitely something to be looking at. If you if you were Jay Powell, or if you were in the position of Jay Powell, how would you be looking at things from the Fed point of view? How would you be uh, maneuvering right now? Well, for him, it's as slow as possible. It's as careful as possible. It is one data release at a time that is an official data release. He learned the hard way that when there was no bid for the long bond in the middle of the night in March of 2020, um, that, that the Feds had, had come to play too big of a part in the Treasury market and that banks had come to play too small of a part and that he had to really work on regulations, pushing through things that might make your eyeballs roll into the back of your head, like central clearing of treasuries. If you want to play, you have to pay. You can't just lever up a rented treasury. You're actually going to have to own it. Um, so he's pushing through regulations that on a long-term basis can start to uh, put the Federal Reserve, put the treasury market on stronger footing. And in order to do that, he really has to find a reason to continue shrinking the size of the Fed's outsized balance sheet. I think he would prefer to see something closer for the Fed's balance sheet to $6 trillion compared to the $7.6 trillion where it is today. And if you do the math, which is pretty easy to do, you, know, you can see that, that once the reverse repo facility is depleted, it's about $570 billion. You know, if there's one more trillion worth of quantitative tightening that he can pursue without impeding on ideal leverage, uh, ideal levels of, of bank reserves, then he gets that wish. But in order to do so, it really helps him have a reason to delay, delay, delay that first re rate cut as long as he possibly can. Which it seems like this is going to happen for at least the first half of this year. Would you are are you comfortable putting where the rate where the rate cuts might come or when they might come? I you know I think at this point it is looking increasingly like June. Uh, I, I think that one you know one month should not make all the difference in the world, especially when this one month was driven by. Um, by food prices, when when my grocery circular has gotten thicker, and that's my that is my absolute feet on the ground gauge at the height of COVID when we couldn't get our hands on a dozen of eggs for less than ten dollars, my grocery circular was one page front and back. It's back to being six full pages and full of ads and 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 coupons for. You know, cheaper prices for everything I could possibly imagine buying at the grocery store. So I think there was a big aberration in the CPI with uh, with food, with hotels, with rent. And yet that's what Jay Powell's going to say. You know what? Until these official data tell me otherwise, I'd better stay vigilant. And so possibly pressing forward to uh, June, which would mean June, July, and probably November. Um, it's a toss-up in terms of whether or not the Federal Open Market Committee changes interest rate policy in the FOMC directly ahead of the election. And in this case, that would be September the 18th. Uh, and I think that Jay Powell has been adamant. You saw him on 60 Minutes 
that he does not want to be perceived as being a political chair of the Fed, that would that that would have him leaning more towards doing nothing in September. So maybe you get June and July, possibly November, possibly December, and you're back to the reality of the Federal Reserve said three rate cuts in 2024. And by golly, that's going to be what it is. And how do you think that affects the market rallying or a pause in the rally? Look, I can't give you any information based on one day of trading, but clearly markets are going to be disappointed if it's just three rate cuts this year. Um, it, it, markets will be very disappointed. And at the same time, you know, I have to, I have to put my former central banker hat on. You know, we are the, the Federal Reserve is still in a tightening mode. You know, every time another seventy-five billion dollars of uh, rolls off of its balance sheet, that is a synthetic form of tightening, meaning the balance sheet shrinkage from January of 2024 and the current balance sheet shrinkage of 2025, they're all going to have their own 12 to 18 month lag effect that we'll see into 2025. And that is the very nature of lag. It's that it's alive, it's dynamic. It's not that we started tightening in June of 2022 and 18 months from then, the lag effect ends. The cumulative effect of the tightening that continued on and continues to this day, that will manifest 12 to 18 months out from where we are today, which is going to make the initial rate cuts if they're as small as what I think a lot of Fed officials are hoping that they will be, a quarter of a percentage point, that will make it that much harder to feel the benefits of rate cuts when they do begin. That is how the, 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 the that's how the phrase pushing on a string was invented. And that's when the, the Fed is trying to ease monetary conditions at the same time the lag effects of the prior tightening are moving their way through the system and vice versa. Based on how you see the next, let's say, half a year going, how, what do you think that means for the bond market and treasuries? There's been a lot of excitement over there from investors. How do you think that starts looking as, as the months go on? Well, you know, I, I think we're going to get a lot more of, of what we have today in terms of knee-jerk reactions. Um, more than anything else, it, it, I would call it the stubbornness of the yield curve inversion which is something that we've been calling on for a very long time with our clients, telling them to fade steepener calls, that they were there were there was going to be a, a prolonged period of time that this yield curve was going to remain inverted because that is effectively what higher for longer looks like. It's how it manifests. So, you know, to, it, the, the, the cleanest read through to Fed policy is your two-year Treasury yield. And, you know, kind of hovering around where it is, 4.5, 4.6%. That's, that's not where investors were hoping to be. That said, the longer this policy is kept in place, the more downside pressure you're going to have on longer maturity Treasury yields. I would be fading the 10-year pop, which it's already come well off of uh, of what its high for the day was today, whereas the the two year is holding it again. That two year, ten year, Treasury yield curve inversion is the biggest 
cleanest reflection, I think, of higher for longer. In terms of Bitcoin, which is railing and then sliding a bit uh, this week, how do you think that affects the crypto environment and how that reacts to the macro picture? I, I, you know, when it comes to crypto, I'm the worst person for you to ask. I think it is, I, I think it is an ideal um, reflection of animal spirits in the purest form. So, to the extent that uh, that Nvidia is flying high, I think Bitcoin flies high. And you know what? That's exactly what we've seen, right? We've seen Nvidia go par- parabolic. We saw we saw Bitcoin cross fifty thousand for the first time. So um, I don't I, I don't associate Bitcoin with inflation or any kind of um, fundamental economic data metric by any stretch. The bigger risk appetite is in general, the higher you're going to see your Bitcoin price. What are your thoughts? A lot of economists that we've had on the podcast talk about the saliency of retail sales, which are coming out tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday this week. What are your thoughts about the importance of retail sales and how they figure into the broader picture? Um, yeah, retail sales are a funny thing. We we've seen, um, for example, department store sales on a weekly basis. We've seen that turn negative year over year. Goldman Sachs put out a good report a few weeks ago that showed that most months of 2023, uh, you were better off fading the retail sales data because it was going to get revised away. Uh, so I don't really pay so much attention to headline retail sales. I pay more attention to um, real earnings, running negative. That, that's very difficult for households. I pay more attention to what consumer products companies are saying about de- demand falling. I, I pay attention to uh, things like uh, beer for the past few months has beer sales have really fallen off a cliff even to a greater extent than than millennials and gen zers not drinking as much as prior generations these are considered to be recession proof industries and yet we're seeing uh, demand fall we're seeing demand fall for corrugated uh boxes um we're seeing retailers go out of business at a faster pace so when it comes to retail that headline figure is is just been so prone to revision Um, And Goldman really did graph it beautifully for 2023 that I I look much more to what the revisions are going to be as opposed to what that headline figure is. And are you seeing similar sentiments when you're looking at earnings across the board? Absolutely. You know, outside um, the magnificent seven minus one uh, to account for Tesla not having not being profitable, but those six companies, you know, outside of those, we've seen some serious pressure um, in the broader market in terms of this earnings season. So how would you synthesize for investors or would you synthesize for investors um, what they should be focused on? And then I mean, you talk about you've talked about kind of metrics and data points to look at. But in terms of investors looking at the market, do you think that there's something that they're forgetting or not keeping in mind enough in terms of trying to suss out how this market's going to go or where they should be allocating or taking away their their funds? Well, I mean, the, you know, we're in an environment right now that is very reminiscent of uh, of early 2000 when Priceline.com went public at $16 a share and literally one month later to the day, it was at $974. 
when you see stocks behave in extremely erratic fashion, you can certainly have money at work in order to take advantage of a possible, you know, kind of last gasp melt up, because that's that is traditionally what happens when you get to these stages where people are popping up charts left and right of stocks gone parabolic. You know, instead of going up to the right, they're just going directly vertically north. Um, so, so you can you can certainly find examples of this historically, but you would you would want to have as much exposure as you're comfortable with on the long side. I'm personally recommending. Uh, a renaissance for good dividend paying stocks that are not going to be compromised by the recession. Uh, and, um, and, and you kind of go from there. You, you, you have to feel out your, your comfort level, understanding that this is, this is one of the last hurrahs and this is how markets behave when it's the last hurrah, when you, when it's very difficult to find a, a strategist at a sell side firm uh, who's advocating for being, you know, all in the market in these circumstances when there are so many shades of of 2000 and or 2007 with how very uh, with how very compressed uh, high yield credit spreads are spreads are showing you that credit is also very expensive. So speaking of dividend stocks, what are some of the things that you're looking at in terms of knowing which dividend stocks are going to last? Well, that's, you know, th this is portfolio management 101. And you don't just you don't just do a search for high dividend paying stocks. You do a search for high dividend paying stocks and then you you dig into their cash flow statements. And you find out how much cash flow they have to support. Don't I, I wouldn't even look at at revenues because in in recession revenues are compromised, right? So, uh, and earnings can be you know, massage six ways to Sunday, but I would I would I would I would find good dividend paying stocks and then look at their track record in terms of how, are are they prone to cutting their dividend and how much cash flow they have on hand to support that dividend. So this is this is I, I'm not saying to blindly buy an ETF of dividend paying stocks. I, I'm I'm saying to actually do some real homework, which you know you don't have to do when 53 percent of the market is passive, right. Right. Um, yes. No blind, no blind buying in this platform. Uh, Danielle, if I could end with a question about energy and how you see energy going with the macro picture, how you see that developing? Well, energy is, you know, you look at the producer price index coming out of, of China. You look at industrial production in Germany. Uh, you have a better appreciation for how recessionary the rest of the world is right now and what birth rates are doing. And you can't really paint a, a, a great picture for organic underlying demand for, for energy, especially when you go back to how we started this discussion. We're seeing hotel rates come down in the United States, not reflected yet in the CPI, but certainly reflected in, in cities, uh, um, STR weekly data on on hotel rates and occupancy coming down and what have you that tells you Americans are traveling less and you know if that's the case there's not going to be as much demand for uh, for gasoline when 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 the peak driving season uh, arrives so 
when it comes to energy, I, I think you have to look at it in terms of demand in this environment and where that marginal barrel of demand is going to come from or not. Very good. Uh, Danielle, happy to leave you with the last word where investors can find more of your work, more of your insight, but really appreciate you taking the time and coming on today. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, yes, you know, I, I would so appreciate it if you could come on over to uh, com. We are growing our, our daily feather following and the feedback's been tremendous and humbling at the same time. And of course, if you do not follow me on Twitter, please do so at Demartino Booth. Yes, highly recommend Danielle's missives. I've been reading them for a long time, getting a lot of insight and knowledge. So thanks, Danielle. Look forward to the next time we talk, I hope. But thanks for this time. Absolutely. Take care and look forward to the next time myself. Any articles discussed today, you can find links to them on our show notes. And all episodes have transcripts available on Seeking Alpha. And for those wanting to follow breaking news and general news coverage of the markets, come listen with us at Wall Street Breakfast. We have morning episodes released before 7 a.m. Eastern and afternoon episodes released around 12 noon Eastern. We've got Wall Street Breakfast and Wall Street Lunch for all your market news needs. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. And you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you soon with a new episode.